0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. And it's quite an upbeat Royal Blue Podcast, I would have to say today. Uh, Everton secured a 2-2 draw against Leeds United on Saturday, thanks to goals from Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Damari Gray. Unfortunately, Everton got pegged back a couple of times. Uh, in that match, but you'd have to say that a point away to a raucous Ellen Road uh, is a pretty good point. I am your host today, Adam Jones, joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Chris Beasley. And Prento, we'll just dive straight in to that uh, to that Leeds game, shall we? Uh, as I've said in the intro-, intro there, I think, you know, going away to a raucous Ellen Road, it was their first Premier League match in front of a full stadium in 17 years as well. To come away from that with a point, he would have taken that before the start of the game. And I think you predicted two too, as well, didn't you? I'm <laughs> on, I, I won't know what it's like.
1: <laughs> I absolutely did. and uh, <laughs> I thought it would be quite a, a wide-open game. I've, I never thought we'd be quite as bold and quite as ambitious as we were. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, a, a point was the least we deserved. If anything, we probably should and could maybe have won the game. Uh, but I think what this weekend, or what the first two weekends of the season has, uh, has told us, is that the return of fans to football stadium has made such a massive difference to matches everywhere. And so bearing that in mind, it makes Everson's point look all the better, because as you say, it was a raucous atmosphere. Uh, The Leeds team were absolutely inspired. Uh, Shall we say Darren England, you know, some might have been influenced on one or two occasions to brandish a few more yellow cards than he would have done normally uh, by the home fans. So to actually go there and get a point which was thoroughly earned, I I thought was a great point. And I thought, you know, what's been quite surprising the first two games so far is we all thought that we were going to see this arch pragmatist in Rafa Benitez come in and defensively organise us and be very disciplined and, you know, make things uh, you know, so difficult to break down. And yes, we've seen a very bold enterprising Emerson already being very direct going forward and creating lots and lots of chances. I mean, Leeds had was it 70% of the possession, but by a mile, uh, the greater chances were created by us. We had more shots on target than Leeds, more shots off target. Um, that was the same you know, uh, instance against Southampton the previous weekend. So, yeah, all in all, it's been a very promising start so far. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm.
0: Bees, obviously, over the last sort of 18 months or so, we've talked a lot about... Everton's away form and the improvement that Everton's away form has shown and a lot of that was put down to the fact that there were no fans in any of the stadiums that Everton were travelling to of course this time it was a full Elland Road and you've got to say that it was a it was a good start to the away form this season wasn't it
2: Yeah and I think that's why you've really got to um, sort of accept that it is a good point um people say oh, okay well, well well they went and won there last season but a totally different scenario and we saw, you know, on the other side of um, things, the fact that Leeds had gone and won a Premier League game at Goodson Park for the first time in, in over 30 years. Yeah, it's totally different now. Um, first um, Premier League full house at Ellen Road. Obviously, like the rest of us, they had very restricted attendances at various points last season. I've seen a few at the end of the season there. But yeah, it's totally different kettle of fish, isn't it, when there's nearly 40,000 in there. And watching that, you know, the the first um, Premier League game in front of a full house since 2004. You know, it's been a long time. Leeds were one of the traditional big clubs in English football for a long time and they, they, you know, a great appetite for it. They were definitely up for it. I mean, you know, it's almost like, you know, if Southampton had got anything from Goodison the week before, they'd have been made up. So I think to to come to a point, you can't be too disappointed, even though Everton were ahead twice. Um I think they'd probably be disappointed with the way they, con- they conceded the two goals really. I mean, we'll maybe go on to that as we, as we move on, but yeah, you know, an individual error again from Michael Keane for the first one and maybe thought they could have um, cleared the lines a bit better for the second. So yeah, they'd be disappointed with the way they conceded, but you know, it, all things being equal, I, I think that that will look to be a good solid away point um, from this uh, Premier League as we return to normality and, uh, you know, the sole return into football with all those fans in there. Hmm.
0: I mean, Gav, what did you make of it? You know, Preno says that he's, you know, perhaps been a little bit surprised at how you know, industrious Everton have been going forward. Did that surprise you at all this weekend?
3: Uh, yeah, I only really agree what what Preno said. That we, I mean, we had conversations when Rath was appointed that we expected a pragmatic, pragmatic, sour, you know, accumulation of points during the season, but it's been. Certainly, since half time against Southampton, it's been anything. But I do put down some of that to uh, crowds as well. I think everybody's adrenaline's probably running at the moment, and the pe- people are, you know, sort of got a bit of frust- two eighteen months of frustration on the pitch, and they're probably going for it a little bit more. I think um, not just on Saturday, but yeah, I mean, you can you can see why Benitez is set up, can he's, he's like four two four on occasion, doesn't he really? Two central cyclists and two wide man. and with Takori pushing up. Um, yeah, I, I've been very surprised, and long may it continue because we look a far better team than when we did at the end of last season when we were camped in our own penalty area for the large part of the game. That was only at home, uh, against Sheffield United. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, we look far better, don't we? We've got pace, uh, with Topes. I think the one you know, if you're saying. The unexpected turnaround is the fact that Gray, the Charles and the Calverton have all got pace. Mm. And it's a long time where we've had three players, you know, up the other end of the pitch who've, uh, you know, who can motor. And we look far better for it. And I'm sure that's contributed to our uh, positive approach. As indeed, like the, the Decore, you know, playing, for he's playing 15, 20 yards further up the pitch, Corey isn't he? Mm. I, think, I think on Saturday, did they have the first shot and the last shot of the game? Yeah. Um, Within 20 seconds. So yeah, and he looks far better for it, far better play for it as well. So yeah, surprised, but very, very pleased. Mm. And long may he continue.
0: Of course, at the tip of everything going forward, with Preno has been Dominic Calvert Lewin. Two goals in two games to start the season. And I'll let you talk about the fact that he's finally on penalties, it seems. He had a conversation with Rafa Benitez before the start of the season. And he said he is the club's penalty taker now. And I was a bit worried to be honest. He looked like he'd taken a short run off and me and Phil were going to each other. Oh, I'm not, I'm not too happy about this. But that was a great penalty, wasn't it?
1: Magnificent. I mean, he's uh, he's taken six in his career now over a span of about six years. Uh, but I can only go on the most recent ones he's taken. And, um, you know, he took one of the penalty shootouts against Leicester, which he converted comprehensively. The one he took for England was absolutely magnificent, you know, top corner postage stamp effort. So that just made you think that, yeah, this is a lad that's, you know, confident enough to take penalties and has got the technique to be able to deliver it. So, you know, it was relatively. I don't know, confident when he stepped up, which you certainly can't say about some of our previous takers. I know we've had a mixed record. I mean, Richarlison scored some and missed some. Sigurdsons, you know, sort of missed quite a few recently. So, you know, I just thought the time was absolutely right. I, I know Gavin said this before about strikers taking penalties. I, I quite like it. I mean, uh, somebody took me to task on Twitter saying it doesn't matter where they play on their pitch as long as they're good at actually taking penalties. And yeah, I get that. But equally, you know, if a striker is going through a little bit of a, a lean spell sometimes, which all strikers do, and you're on penalties, it gives you the opportunity to maybe you know, ease through them a little bit more. It gives you an opportunity to bump up your, uh, your overall uh, goal ratio. And I saw that great stat from our friend Bradley Cates at the weekend, who said that the, Dominic Albert-Lune is now the first Everton player to score in the opening two league games of a season in successive seasons since dixie dean which is like quite remarkable really and i was looking back thinking there surely somebody must have done that i think and then got quite close to an 84 85 and 85 86 he scored two and then one but you know that that's remarkable that and if you also bear in mind the fact that dominic's not absolutely up to speed yet uh the manager said afterwards he's not been in full training because of the uh, the toe condition he's having to manage uh so you know he's got a little bit of. Um, fitness and match fitness still to discover yet so we probably haven't seen you know the Dominic Calvert-Lewin that we know uh who can run the channels who can show incredible amounts of pace who can you know sort of be absolute real springboard at the top I mean he's done okay in the games I thought he was all right against Southampton but you know scored a good goal late on you know we saw a lot more of him at Leeds and I know a lot of people were talking about the chances that you know he could have buried the first one I thought that was a great save. You know, I thought it was just instinctive. He got in the right position. He got on the end of the cross. He couldn't have done a great deal more than that. I don't think many other strikers would have done more. The second one, yeah, maybe, you know, he could have like dinked it. He could have lifted it. But again, it was still a decent save. So I'd like to try and give the, you know, praise to the goalkeeper there. Bottom awesome line is he delivered again. You know, so he scored and he's made, you know, a, a positive start to the season when he's not actually up to full speed. Yes. So, yeah, made up to see him start the season in the fashion that he has and delighted to see him on penalty kicks, long may that continue. <laughs> and after that
0: goal as well, you know, he created you know, an amazing celebration and, you know, uh, he created the sporting image that pays homage, I think, to some of the great sporting images of all time of him just, like, showing his number to the Leeds fans and all the Leeds fans behind him, giving him giving him all the stick in the world. But, uh, but he's, even on that celebration, though, you know, mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that does show... You know a certain level of confidence and you know almost, almost an arrogance about Calvert Lewin these days that you know he feels that you know he he will stand up to any critics that he's that he's got in the stands and he and he'll and he'll silence them and prove them wrong. Yeah, um, interesting. Actually, we've got Michael Ball's column
2: coming up later this afternoon, and Michael um, was not happy as a former penalty taker himself for Everton. He was not happy with that runner. <laughs> he, words, but, um, he admits. He says, "Yep, yeah, two thumbs up from Michael. Ultimately, for for uh, the finish, he was he was uh, he was yeah, as as Peter Johnson might once said, pleasantly surprised with the way that one um, finished. Um, yeah, so we've got that, that one to look forward to. Yeah, but like you said." Another phenomenon of these fans being back is also, you know, the positivity positivity that your own fans bring, but obviously the the whole stick that, you know, when you go away to these sort of places, Leeds United. I mean, Sheffield-Leeds is probably similar to Liverpool-Manchester in in many ways. There's no love love lost there between the two Yorkshire rivals. And as a Sheffield lad, he was probably, you know, getting plenty of stick from that. I mean, we saw the sort of things from the fans. We saw the... The old, I was going to say the old deer, but there was nothing sweet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the uh The finger. And uh, there was a bizarre um, one where some fan had lifted up his shirt to um, show off his, <laughs> his rather substantial stomach to try and put <laughs> Dominic Calvert-Lewin off. But um, yeah, they, they say it shows the confidence, the way he has grown. I mean, he's always been... Um, a real sort of bubbly character in and around the place on numerous occasions. I've been fortunate enough to speak to him at finish form. You know, he's, he's got that presence about him. And he's one of the players who fronts up regardless of the result. I mean, sometimes some of his teammates can be a bit sulky and not want to speak after a bad result. But, you know, Dominic is always one of those who will speak. But yeah, he's, like you say, he's taking it on because... As a player, he was he's always for a long time been doing a lot of the the things right of, of, of a front man and holding it up and um, doing well in that respect. But you just feel the hardest thing of all was to make him into that instinctive finisher and maybe he didn't have that in that locker. But yeah, he's come on absolutely leaps and bounds in the last year or so. And that's what you want. You want that arrogance, that that sort of um, streak in, in, your, in your number nine to think that he's you know, he's capable of doing this and scoring at any point. So, yeah, if he's um, if he's in that kind of uh, mood, I mean, it can only hopefully bode well for Everton.
3: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Gav Preno obviously mentions those missed chances that came in the second half. I think he's quite right. The first one was, you know, a really good save. The second one, I do think that uh, Dom should have done a little bit better from it. But you know, he's still he's still quite young for a striker, isn't he? He's still he's still making his way in the Premier League. Do you, you know? Do you,
3: do you just see that
0: as you know signs that he can still improve? Uh, I was just
3: saying there about who's Peter Johnson putting two thumbs up There was certainly two digits going. Into it. Calvert lewins direction, wasn't it, from the lead yeah. fans on, uh, on Saturday. <laughs> I, I don't know about you but I, When I first saw that that fella chest and, you know, showing his chest, I thought he was moon. I just saw, thought it was a moon at first, you know, <laughs> like, uh, Car- Car- Lewin, uh, I'll go back to what I said at the start of the season. had that still a work in progress. Um I should have scored on Saturday. Top class strike puts that in, I'm afraid. Uh you know, I, I felt he let the ball go across him. I don't know whether he could have taken his right foot and let letting the ball go across him, He let M- Mellier time to to get out. Uh, he's 24, you know, so he's not necessarily young, but what he has shown in his career is an ability to learn. But he, uh, I, I say to eye that he, one of the areas for developing for him is his his first touch in the area, or when he's got a one-on-one with the keeper. He's got time to think. You know, I think uh, his decision-making is not great and sometimes his first touch lets him down. And though he only had one touch for that on Saturday. I just thought he should have done a lot better. Top class, like, puts that in and that's something he needs to try and develop. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, two or three years ago, I was moaning that he never sort of anticipated the ball coming into the box. but was always, like, six yards behind the play and that's now his, you know... He, the, that's his um, meat and drink, isn't it, now, as a striker? Yeah, just got mm-hmm. to develop that. Um, but he's certainly wouldn't say, you know, he can't develop it, but he's 24, and that's it's a more mm-hmm. natural thing, that with uh, one-on-ones and stuff. So, yeah, I was disappointed with that. By the way, great ball from woby who I thought played well on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's definitely one who I think looks, you know, I think, he's been coached by Benitez. If it, if, I don't want to sound critical as previous reforms as well. He seems to know what he needs to do when he's got the ball, which is not necessarily the case previously. And I thought he was excellent. He had a, you know, he had, he had the part to play in the, the grey goal, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And he had a, you know, he could have made that 3-1. Great ball. If David Silva was played that ball, he would have said it was, it was Spanish genius, wouldn't
1: he? Yeah.
3: Uh, and, uh, I think Calvert-Lewin didn't do it justice, to be honest with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, still a work in progress, Calvert-Lewin, but he's 24. How best he's going to mm-hmm. get, the money is at the moment, I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, Gab's give a little mention to Damari Gray's goal there, but I mean, yeah. I think if we just talk uh, first about the performance in general of Damari Gray, I think you know he carried on from where he left off against Southampton,
1: didn't he? Another really, really promising display from him. He did, he looked really bright, you know, he's, uh, he's making things happen, he's direct. Um, the, the, the goal was strange because, you know, Gavin talking about uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin lacking a, a first touch in the box, I mean, so did Demari Gray, but he managed to recover from that poor first touch. And it just took everyone by surprise. I think by miscontrolling it, no one quite knew, you know, sort of where he was going with it, least of all himself. And then uh, he produced an absolutely stinging finish through the defender's legs as well, you know, so the keeper had no chance of getting near it. And uh it, it was great, you know, certainly far better than a celebration, which uh I worried, <laughs> I wondered he was going to injure himself. I thought he was gonna uh, you know sort of tipping forward on his neck. Uh but no, he's 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 been great and he's already been talked about as being one of the bargains of the season already. Um obviously there's a lot more still to come from him. I mean, I believe he started his by a Leverkusen uh, career very, very brightly as well. And then just got on his out. debut there. Yeah, and didn't quite build on it. So, you know, it's early days, but you can only do what he's doing at the moment, which is excellent. And um, it's funny, I spoke to his agent on um, Saturday at the Southampton game, and uh, he was telling me about how, you know, so thrilled he was to be at a club like Everton and their stature and how genuinely happy he felt and, you know, so how settled he was already in a very, very short space of time. So, you know, that all sounds quite, quite good in terms of what Benitez is doing with these players. I mean... Um, I think he gave an interview after the game where he said that the manager has been working closely with him, you know, so I'm telling him what he you know what he wants. And likewise, as Gav says with Alex Iwobi, who again, you know, I, I thought he was excellent, you know, credit where it's due. Um I know we've um well I've taken issue with some of his crossing uh, on these podcasts in the past, but he's playing a slightly different role now. And uh, you know, that was an absolutely magnificent through ball and it's general um, you know, hold at play and his ability to spot passes was very, very good all the way through. So, yeah, lots of positives all around, to be honest. And I know we'll, we'll come on to the defending a little bit later. But certainly, as far as, uh, you know, so offensively, the, the team are looking, it's looking great. We're creating chances and we're creating them from lots of different areas as well. And uh, it's good that Demari Gray, you know, one of the new signings, is being, you know, one of those, you know, supply lines. So, yeah, you know, so another really decent positive to take from the game. Mm. Well when DeMardi Gray signed,
0: Bees, there was a lot of talk from Evertonians that, you know, Everton are signing somebody with a point to prove here. You know, obviously he left Leicester City in you know less than ideal circumstances, didn't have the greatest time at Bayer Leverkusen, even though he was only there briefly, as a, as Preno mentioned. And in these opening two games, he, he does seem to be playing like a player with a point to prove, doesn't he? You know, he's putting he's putting everything into these performances so far.
2: Yeah, I think he 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 realizes. I mean, he he was um, linked to Everton before he came to Leicester City, and then he was linked numerous times while he was at Leicester City, and that's because he wasn't always sort of one of the first names at the team sheet um, at Leicester. He was in and out the side, and he'd shown flashes of brilliance, but like a lot of wide players, quite mercurial. And you know, he brilliant on his day, but you know, those days weren't too consistent. So yeah, he he he's a player who. Hopefully, that Everton can, can bring the best out of now. I mean, shades both in terms of um, the amount they spent over the money and then the sort of player that they signed. I think with the Marcus Bent signing at the start of 2004 um, 05, you know, he, Bent was a, a real journeyman. They played for, for, for numerous clubs and Everson probably got him for one of the, the lowest fees and actually got the most out of him. He wasn't there for, for years and years. It was only maybe an impact over a year or a year and a half, something like that. But the time he was at the club, he, you know, really pound for pound got a lot out of him. And you've got to hope that, that um, the promising start that the Mari Gray has made shows that this is somebody who, would, who is hungry and with a, a, a point to prove. I mean, he's probably thinking he's fortunate now in that after being let go by Leicester. Sent out to the Bundesliga. I know a lot of younger English players have sort of used that as a platform for, for coming back to the Premier League, but he's a, he's a bit more advanced than him in, in his mid 20s by by now. So he's probably relieved, really, to get another chance so soon in, in the Premier League. And he fully intends um, to take it. And again, going back to what, what Michael Ball said to us earlier and what we're going to be reading later. I mean, he thinks he's a real breath of fresh air and he. He, he was really impressed with the way that unlike a, a lot of Everton-wide men of, of more recent years, he's, he's not afraid at all to, to bring that ball up the, up the pitch to, just to, to run at people, to, to get the, the crosses in and the, just to keep the opposition um, defence on, on their toes all the time, just to try and make something happen. So, yeah, like I say, it's very early days, but it's very promising signs. And at least Benita seems to be a meticulous coach who will, who will let his, his players know what, what very specific roles they have to play in a side.
0: Mm. And I suppose, you know, Gav, the fact that Damardi Gray kept his place in the side shows a certain amount of trust from Benitez, doesn't it? He obviously wanted to bring Iwobi in for this game. He probably would have had the choice of dropping either Andros Townsend or Damardi Gray from one of those wide positions. He knows Townsend very well from his time at Newcastle. That's why he's brought him to the club. But he chose to go with Gray instead. And I suppose that shows a, a really early sign of trust from the manager, doesn't
3: it? Yeah, yeah, well... Pace, isn't it? Um, you know, nobody likes facing pace. I think leads 3 on the back means you've got to space out wide as well, I think, to go get down the flanks, which, uh, I mean, a couple of great balls in the first half from the flank, wasn't it, from Gray. Yeah, mm. I really like him. I think picking up on Bees's points, that he's been known to like, you know, start off well and maybe then just sort of slide away, but you would hope that Benitez is on his case all the time. As a manager, and if he's got something to prove, he's going to listen to him. Um, and if he keep winning and he keeps playing, there's absolutely no reason at all why he, he can't do that. So, uh, yeah, it a mis- bit like the core of right, the previous week, making a habit of miscontrolling the ball <laughs> and the box and flummoxing the opponents, haven't we? But, yeah, it was a great, it was a great finish. Uh, I've been really impressed with him. Uh, I really like him. Um, and not only that, cross in the first half, but he, he bent down the wings, and he? he just absolutely motored. It's a long time since we've had a player like that. You know, not even the Charleston I thinking it's that quick. Um, I, and, I was yeah, I was absolutely thinking about this recently. Maybe maybe was
0: was probably the last player that we had. But even yeah, then, he was he was smaller,
3: wasn't he, Delafield? Yeah. I don't think he was particularly powerful. Yeah, uh, but Gray's got a bit mixture of both, hasn't he? He's, Mm. He's certainly not, you know, he's not the traditional, you know, the old style wingers, you know, shape is what Dale Faye was. Gray's got a little bit extra, hasn't he? And I, I just hope he can maintain his form because the talent's there, isn't it? You can see that he's got all the attributes of a very, very good Premier League player. And I think, um, I think, I mean, Marcus Bent was always a journeyman, wasn't he? he was mm. in and out, you know. But you hope that, you know. Um, can you know um, you know show that over several seasons? At least he's not coming for the big fee, which adds pressure. That's the other thing <laughs> as well, isn't it? You yeah. Know, so I, know, I hope I hope Pleno had the word of his agent just to give him a you know a bit of a G up, you know, in his own inimitable style. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think seriously, I I thought I thought he was excellent on Saturday, and I think uh, I think he if he. You know, he's got the potential to have it be a really very good player for us. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, we'll stick with you, Gav. I mean, we've talked a lot about Everton going forward, things look quite promising at the other end of the pitch. It's not looking so great, is it really? And you know, Michael Keane in particular, that's now a second game in a row at the start of the season where I thought he was again, I thought he was playing quite well, often right up until he makes one. One bad mistake, let's leads
3: in. They score a goal, and it's 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 really disappointing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it both goals are disappointing, really. You know as, as, you know, as you know, what game it reminded me of um, in similar circumstances, I think. You know, Martin has his first game at Norwich in 2013, and you know, we drew two yeah. all. Yeah. we were getting beat 1 0 in that game, we were winning 2 1, and just, you know, we were playing really well. And we gave I think it was that Van went Rind- what was his name? Winkle, yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. <laughs> <It was> only <laughs> goal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said something else there that you might have had to bleep out. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I thought uh, thought Saturday, I'd echo that game. We come away thinking, played really well there, but perhaps you've got three points. We give away a stupid goal at 2 1. And at the same. I thought they were both bad goals. I mean, in many respects, the second was, one was worse than the first. We had three players today, or two, including Keane. And neither, you know, neither of the three he managed to clear the ball. And, uh, yeah, the first was, I think, him and it was just a bit too far apart as well, weren't he, when the ball broke loose. Um, but if you go to the end of last season, that's 3-3, three and three, isn't it, for Because Man City was a fault. Um, yeah, we, we spoke about centre-halves, did me we, on Friday? You know, mm-hmm. we speculated he would play, You you called it, I think, that Keane and Mina would play. Um, Mina, I think, was. Well, but, can you say since half mercurial <laughs> <laughs> <Describe> <laughs> <at the> <laughs> yeah. He was just a. He, you know, he, he was somebody who was completely wound up by the crowd, wasn't he, um, yeah. So I don't think Mina was, uh, Mina was an enormously solid. I don't think Coleman and Deanie were really. They both got booked for kicking the ball away as well, didn't they, both of them? Um, yeah. Deany, to me has looked not 100%. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we said before. This is not what you would expect the Benitez team to be like, to be really you know, adventurous, going forward and showing plenty of pace and power, and, but leaking at the back. And I think also mm-hmm. as well, thrown throw into that, the centre-halves, which I said, I said at the first quarter of the season, that's the other concern. If De Correau plays further up the pitch, then that leaves more, more of a gap behind him, doesn't it? You're not playing two in front of the back four, you're playing one. And I think that places pressure on Alan, and I think perhaps we're seeing that on occasions. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: As Gav mentions there, Preno, we talked about the centre backs in last week's pod, didn't we? And you know, we I think all of us ended up saying that we could see Mina and Keane being the uh, the centre back partnership. Yeah. With the with the benefits of hindsight now, would you still have picked? Keane and Mina, would you still drop Holgate
1: or like would, would you? I probably would have done, yeah, largely yeah. because I was so unconvinced by Mason Holgate against Southampton. I thought him and Keane, you know, both had dodgy starts to the game, but Keane recovered and Keane had a better second half of the match. And uh, as we talked about uh, in the pod last week, you know, the physicality, you know, so that the lead can bring to the performances, maybe you know, so Keane and Mina were both better suited. Uh, Although Mina tried to take physicality to a different level, didn't he? With his uh, constant uh, ongoing wrestling. I mean, this actually was a wrestling match. And know (laughs) Jurgen Klopp seems to think that football is now like watching wrestling. And it isn't. But, you know, uh, on that occasion, you know, so him and Bamford was like a very, very strange, uh, you know, sort of combination uh as, as I tweeted at the time, you know, Ben Godfrey's return can't come quickly enough. And I hope that doesn't put too much pressure on the young lad. But he was like such a good player last season. And, you know, as Gav mentioned, you know, the way we're set up at the moment, we are set up quite offensively to actually, you know, to create chances and score goals. And that does leave, you know, gaps in between the lines. I thought Alan was great. Alan had a really good game. Uh, mm-hmm. But he is being a little yeah. bit exposed at the moment. Uh, and so when that happens, you rely on your defenders to be pretty much impeccable, you know, sort of, you know, sort of attack the space. And Keane just got his positioning wrong, didn't he? He couldn't react quickly enough, you know, when he realised the ball was going past him and just got caught on his heels a little bit. It wasn't a clanger like the Southampton clanger or the Manchester City clanger at the tail end of last season, but it was still unconvincing. And, uh, you know, quite what you do next, whether it's Godfrey or Mina, you know, so given a go now, if and when Godfrey's available, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but that's just you know something that the manager obviously is aware of. Something he'll be working on in the near future, and he's still learning about his players. You know, so you'll watch videos galore. We know how meticulous Rafa Benitez is in his preparation, and he'll know a lot about the squad he's inherited. But equally, you know, you only learn things you know when you're actually working with them on a daily basis. Uh, and I've said that before. Roberto Martinez always talking about how surprised he was by Leon Osman. You know, we knew about Leon Osman, but didn't realise quite how good he was. And that was like one of the positive, you know, sort of surprises he had as Everton manager. And likewise, Benitez will be finding out, maybe not quite so positively, uh, some of the things about the players that he's inherited, and he'll he'll want to work. on. And he's, you know, he's sensible. You know, he's a, he's a politician. He's not going to, you know, sort lambast those players publicly. He's not going to say anything at a press conferences. It's going to pile even more pressure on them. But, you know, he'll be aware that they need to up their game and they'll be telling them privately, you know, so they need to do much, much better. Otherwise, he will be making changes, you know, and he'll be looking elsewhere. I mean, the Huddersfield game should be interesting. You know, so what he does for the defence there, who he brings in, I mean, we will talk about it later, no doubt, but, you know, whether he mixes it up entirely and brings in younger players, I don't know. Um, but, you know, Michael Keane certainly has got a lot to do to convince the manager that he's worthy of an extended run.
0: Hmm. Well, just before we talk about Huddersfield Bees, I mean, I think the lads have mentioned a really good point about Decore playing a bit further forward in the midfield and perhaps leaving a few more gaps in front of the defence. Do you think that maybe highlights the absence of Ben Godfrey even more in that case? Because obviously, Godfrey's a very mobile sort of defender. He can step up into those spaces uh, whenever there's a gap in front of him. Whereas, you know, the likes of Keane Mina, maybe that's just it, doesn't come naturally to them, does it?
2: Yeah, I mean that was obviously one of um, Godfrey's big strengths last season, wasn't it? It was that athleticism, um, which enabled him to play very effectively as an auxiliary fullback on, on both flanks on occasions. I mean, because you, you, you know, given the size, I and mean, you, you know, one wondered would he be able to fulfil that role, but he was very effective in those roles. And like you say, um, he is so naturally athletic and strong with it as well. Um, he was actually saying before, obviously. Um, we knew he was going to be absent um, for these matches and he was looking forward to the start of the season. Um, he'd done an interview where he was saying, already with Rafa Benitez, he was looking to improve as a player in that, so he can always have to rely just on his pace because obviously a bit, bit like Kevin Ratcliffe many moons ago that would obviously get him out of trouble on a lot of occasions that, that recovery pace but he didn't want to be making those mistakes in the first place and wanted to rely less on that but yeah it is obviously it's a huge uh, um, attribute for him and uh, yeah Everton are missing that at the moment because like you're saying um, as solid as Michael Keane and Yeri Mina can be at the, the best of times um, you know, neither of them are particularly swift off the mark in, in, in the way that God Godfrey can be.
3: Hmm.
0: I mean, we'll stick with you, Bees. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. we'll need to talk about Everton's trip to Huddersfield in the mm-hmm. second round of the League Cuff that's coming up uh, on Tuesday evening. We haven't really got many clues on in terms of team news and you know, whoever might might be back from their periods of isolation or what have you. But mm-hmm. with such a quick turnaround from the weekends game, do you expect to see uh, a few changes still?
2: I think there will be changes, but I wouldn't want to make too many. Um, got to wonder whether all the games Richarlison's played, you'd think he might be one of the favourites to be given a breather. But other than um, him, um, Carver Lewin um, hardly played at all pre-season. Obviously, he was very sparingly used at the Euro, so he's almost coming to it um, sort of undercooked. So I don't think he's got an issue there. I'd, I'd like to, to, to see him start. And, um, yeah, I think Everton... Should have a real good go at the League Cup this season. I mean, we we tend to see this every year, don't we? But yeah, it's 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 Everton's easiest way in, into Europe, most straightforward way. And obviously, the longer it goes on without winning a trophy, the, the more that builds up. So yeah, I'd like to see Everton give it a real good go, and that means not too many changes at all. Because ultimately, only the short preseason anyway. But they, they play with it like three friendlies and then the behind closed doors games at Finch Farm before that. So only three official friendlies and only a couple of games into it now. And then we're going into another international break. So obviously you do have one eye at Brighton Hove Albion at the weekend. But no, I'd, 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 I'd like to see the, the bulk of the side there. I mean, there will be a few changes. He'll shuffle the pack a, a little bit. But no, for, for a couple of reasons, I think they need to gain that momentum and the. You know, they're, they're not overburdened in the, the amount of matches a lot of them have had, and um, just you want to get a good a good result there because you know, uh are, are, are going to be up for it, the fans back there as well. You know, it's not going to be a walk in the park.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one player, Gav, that really intrigues me going into tomorrow night's game is Moise Keane. I mean, obviously, his fu- <laughs> immediate future is in a yeah. lot of doubt, isn't it? Uh, he, he got a couple of minutes at the end of the Leeds game, didn't really get a chance to. Actually, do much at all in that Leeds game, but no. do, do you do you start him in this one? Do you put him in the shop window, or do you do you leave him out for the risk of you know he might pick up an injury that might
3: you know, rule him out of potentially securing a move before the end of the window? Uh, I can't see him playing. Uh, no. to, want, to be honest with you, guys, thinking back to Benitez's comments on you know his press conference on Friday that contracted the him and Hammers to the 31st of August or whatever whatever it was. Um, you know, so that sends a certain message out, doesn't it? I just, just think, you know, I believe the few people said that Keane didn't exactly look energetic in the warm-up, did he, before the game, apparently? Um, <laughs> I, was, I was particularly looking at him, yeah, to be honest. Um, so, now nah, I can't say it. I'm, I'm with these. I think Calvert-Lewin will play because I think he needs games. And I think... Um, I can't see Richarlison playing. Um, so, I mean, my, my change of formation just can't see it, uh, really. Um, and, and and I think he got on for a couple of minutes at the end, didn't he, on, on Saturday. I, I don't I don't see the points at this stage if if the, the belief is that he's not going to be an Everton player this time next week, what the point of playing him tomorrow will be, mm. uh, to be honest with you. So, big no from me. um but you don't know do you? I, I think Benitez was one Have a look at all it goes back to B's, all B's points were perfectly valid there I totally agree with them that the fact they've not had the pre-season he won as many games with his first team together only his first 11 mm-hmm. or 12 players playing together to get them to, to gel you know so uh, I suspect tomorrow will be part of that and whenever the game is, is, is part of that experiment really you know that development so and that involves I'd leave key uh, mm. to be honest, but yeah, I think he'd be wasting mm. the space in the team mm.
0: I think Prano, the lads make a really good point about wanting to keep the uh, keep the momentum and keep as much of the side together as possible, but you know, there'll be a lot of fringe players who might be looking at this game thinking to themselves, I might have a chance to impress the manager here, you know, Asmir Begovic just come in in the summer, hasn't had his chance between the sticks yet You know, Nils Kunku at left back Jared Branthwaite might have his eyes on this one likes of Davis Gabamin. Delph in midfield, even. I thought he actually looked quite good when he came on against Leeds at the weekend. So, you know, there, there, are, there are a few players across the pitch that you might like think to yourself, they, they, they might fancy
1: themselves here. Fabian Delph is a good player. Um, he, he just can't get a run because of his injury record. Uh, although he had me heart in my mouth when he launched him for that tackle later. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely.
1: laughs> <laughs> was a little bit of, uh, you know, so not recklessness, he timed it just right, but it had me worried. And now, all of those names you've mentioned, yeah, I think I've got to be in with the shouts. I mean, certainly Davis and Gabamin, uh, you'd imagine, would get, you know, starts, you know, so the manager can have a look at them you know, sort of try and learn a little bit more about them. Um Brighton is a tough game. Um, you know, they showed, showed against Watford on Saturday night that, you know, they are still, you know, sort of a decent side, you know, sort of, you know, play very attacking, very purposeful football. And uh, we found out on our recent visits down there how difficult a place it can be. Uh, so we've got to have half an eye on that. Huddersfield's a strange one, really. I mean, they got absolutely battered on the opening day by Fulham, didn't they? But they've bounced back with two wins since then. You know, they've beaten Britt Preston in, uh the most boring match that's ever been screened on Sky Television <laughs> <laughs> the other night. I was flicking through to me first. I was watching Rangers on the other side as well. But yeah, you know, from what I saw of it, it was dull. And then one of Sheffield United you know, at the weekend. So you know they, they've actually bounced back. So it's, it's going to be tricky. Um, so we can't afford to make sweeping changes. I know last season, you know, with the early rounds, you know, when we played, you know, League One, League Two teams, we did see sweeping changes, and you can maybe get away with it a little bit more. Um, until you draw, you know, so sort of West Ham was it in you know the third round onwards. You've got to try and, you know, so sort of make a bit more of a a concerted attempt, uh, you know, a first team out. I mean, you've got to put yourself in the League Cup in the best possible position to make progress. Uh, And I know we said about you've got to have a go at it. And, you know, you'd like to think that we do that every year. Uh, But you've just got to get past these early rounds and then put yourself in the best position possible so that when you do end up drawing either a United or a Manchester City or, you know, whoever it might be in the later rounds, I don't know. Maybe you'll catch them on a day where they've got players missing, and you know you might just get the opportunity to uh, to, to make progress. But you know, to get to those games, you've got to actually negotiate these early rounds very, very, um, you know, comfortably. So yes, I'm expecting changes, but equally, you, you don't want them to be absolutely sweeping. Uh, I'm contradicting myself here, aren't I? Because you know, so far, <laughs> you're still sort of seeing David, seeing Gabbaman coming in. I mean, let's face it, you know, even if he does make five or six changes to the team, and we're talking about players like Begovic, Godfrey, if he's available, Gabamin, Tom Davis, maybe even Moise Keane, um, they still should have the quality to be able to beat, you know, an ordinary championship team. Regarding Moise Keane, yeah, I'd quite like to see him play, to be honest. uh, If anything, just to give, you know, maybe Richarlison a rest uh, up top. Uh, Moise Keane, you'd imagine, you know, he'll be, you know, wanting to get a game, wanting to get, you know, 90 minutes under his belt. Um, why not give them the opportunity to do that but you know that's why I like the early rounds of this competition because you get the opportunity to see some of the players that you might not have seen normally and you know against opposition that, that you don't normally see so I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game really on
0: hmm well we'll have to finish off with our customary score predictions Bees I'm going to come to you first no. This be Everton? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um i say iron out those um those defensive mis, uh, mistakes and keep a clean sheet and nick it one nil
1: everton. Oh okay well,
3: Gav. I think have we won both Premier League visits to uh Huddersfield? Mm. I think we have haven't we Richarlison? and mm. um, Yeah, it was two nil and one nil yeah, yeah. Totten so, score there, did he? Yeah, Idris oh, a guy
2: scored there as
3: well. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> Uh two, two uh two irregular goal scorers there, but I think um, yeah, I'm be I'm gonna go for that. I'm gonna go for two 0 I think you don't know what team they're gonna put out as well, do you really? You know? Yeah. Um yeah, two 0 for the mighty uh the mighty blues before I pass on to Prano who's the man in form. Oh,
1: do
3: I was gonna do do
1: say go your role yeah. Well talking about gay okay, by the way, did you see that goal you scored for PSG uh, the other night? Screen like, like that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely yeah. outrageous. Like, you know, 30 yards, absolutely it into the other far corner. Um it, you can't predict, you know, so early around this competition, but they tend to have lots of goals in them, to be honest, because mm. of the change lineups. So I'm gonna go with another, you know, bowl attacking, you know, sort of Eberson approach, and maybe a little bit less than you know, resilient defence at the other end. Mm. Hopefully that means that we'll still have enough to get through. And um, I'm going to go for three-one. I was thinking of two-one in Everton's favour. That is three-one Everton. Another nice bold, you know, sort of open game uh, with goals for slightly left field people. Maybe you know, I don't know, Moise Keane, popping one in. That would be nice.
0: <laughs> well, I think I'm uh, going to go. I'm going to go a little bit different then, and I'm going to go clean sheet and a lot of goals. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 3 0 uh, okay. I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly confident that Everton will be able to get a result there. But uh, on that positive note, I think we'll bring. Today's podcast to, a, to an end. Thank you, lads, for uh, joining me. We'll be back a little bit later in the week to review Everton's match against Huddersfield and preview their upcoming trip to face Brighton in the Premier League. Uh, that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, don't forget, you can re- rate and review us wherever you get your podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe there as well. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for The Royal Blue Podcast there. Thanks for listening. This has been The Royal Blue Podcast.